Necessary Blackness Podcast every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. This Wednesday right here on Necessary Blackness Podcast, we will have special guest Dr. Kalila Ali will be discussing gender wars, the wrath of the angry black feminists. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is a new episode. Yo, this is Gosh from RMGP Media, and I'm checking in with Necessary Blackness with Raheem Shabazz. Today, we have an interesting topic that we're going to discuss. What is the difference between womanism and feminism? What is a womanist and what is a feminist? Let me give you the definition on the word womanism. Womanism is a social theory based on the racial and gender-based oppression of black women and other women of marginalized groups. Their varying interpretation of the term womanist in efforts to provide a concise and all-encompassing definition have only been marginally successful. At its core, womanism horns in on the everyday issues and experience of both black women and women of marginalized groups. But more importantly, Womanism hopes to create an even level environment for all people. Now, I have a problem with that definition. It's not exclusively to black women. Um, as it states, at its core, womanism horns in on the everyday issues and experience of both black women and women of marginalized groups. Now, women of marginalized groups could be Hispanics, could be white, could be Asian. It can be other ethnic groups besides black. And right now, we're concerned about black people exclusively. That's especially if you're unapologetically black. Now, the word feminism has a negative connotation. And we're going to see what's the difference between being a feminist and being a womanist. So today, in our studio, we have Dr. Kalila Ali. Everybody, give her a round of applause in the hand. Before we get into our topic of discussion, we're going to talk about what's in the news, and that is Kanye West. So, Dr. Kalila Ali, I want to know your thoughts on Kanye West meeting with President-elect Donald Trump. Kanye West is a person that suffers from some kind of mental illness, it, it appears to be. It, um, he's got blonde hair, contacts in. Uh, he clearly just has some kind of mental, emotional breakdown. Um, he's not in a position to speak for Black people or him meeting with anyone doesn't really mean anything. But um, so I feel that I am indifferent to to fucking Kanye West. But there are people who care about that. And I would say that any person that meets with Donald Trump, I have to wonder about their motivations. Like, why? What are you, 
maybe you know something I don't know. Um, but just based on what we know about Donald Trump and his policies, his policies are definitely not for black folks. His policies are definitely not for um, poor and working class folks. So anyone that would be in collusion with him, I would have to question question uh, their integrity. Okay. Um, today, NFL Hall of Famer and activist Jim Brown, he met with Donald Trump. And I'm going to have you and everyone else hear the audio from that CNN footage. Jim Brown, you supported Hillary Clinton. Yes, I did. What brought you to Trump Tower? This guy? Well, I'll tell you, uh, the president of the United States brought me. My president. You know, that's uh, he wanted fair and square. He's uh, going to be our man for the next four years at least. Probably eight. And amenable to listening to people who did not vote for him. He listened to you. You told me in commercial break that you all were in there for a long time. Yes. What did you talk about and what did you ask of him? We talked about making America a better country. We talked about the poor people. We talked about African-American people. We talked about education, getting rid of violence, uh, dealing with economic development realistically, and uh, how to work together. You know, people listening to these NFL greats and the pastor being in this room, I mean, that's a stellar, uh, you know, lineup of, of men. Uh, but when you're thinking about those who voted for Mr. Trump and the working class in middle America, and certainly you have fought on behalf of a lot of those people for your, for your lifetime, but speak to those people in this country who feel like they're not being listened to and they're not being represented. Well, you almost have the wrong guy. See, I look like a bourgeoisie and middle class, but I've been out there for many, many years in the ghettos across this country. The American program concentrates on being in the community, developing leadership in that community, teaching life skills to those individuals, and teach them how to deal with responsibility of self-determination and how to gain success over working hard and working intelligently. So we're not bourgeoisie. We're not above the people. We are a part of the people. And uh, I can't speak for the people. Sure. But I fell in love with him because he really talks about helping African-American black people. And uh, that's why I'm here. You fell in love with Donald Trump today. Well, it isn't really about just Donald Trump. It's about him and the position he occupies. That position is considered the most important person in the world. The most powerful person in the world is supposed to be our president. When he goes through what he went through to become the president, he got my admiration because they gave him a chance. You know, they, they called him names. Uh, people that called him names when he won, he reached and brought them along with him. He held no grudges. So who am I to say that I played quarterback when I only played running back? I don't know everything, and I don't try to address everything. But the reception I got today from him, I'll always remember that. Because he listened to us, and he knows that we can bring something to him to help the people of this country. Is that a speech? No, I'm... All right, we back from a quick break. We just listened to Jim Brown on CNN talking about his meeting with Donald Trump. 
Um, I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, what do you think? Um, wow. So I'm going to give the OG a pass um, just on strength of him being an elder and he's actually done some, he does some good work. So we can't shade him like that. So I'm, I'm not going to direct my comments to him, I guess. But what I will say is that black people in general uh, invest too much into the thoughts and beliefs and feelings of celebrities. This person, he said who he was. I, what was he, a running back, quarterback? Uh, you, you are not a uh, sociologist. You are not a person schooled in politics or political theory. You, you don't know what you're talking about, more than likely. So clearly a charismatic person was able to, you know, say some cool stuff to him and kind of get him, to, coax him into um, believing whatever TV land rhetoric he's sharing. So unless Jim Brown knows something I don't know, so unless he sat with uh, Trump and is privy to some secret documents information that uh, the policies that Trump has said he was going to promote in his candidacy and, and currently as president-elect, unless he knows that this is all some kind of joke, um, which is possible, it could be. You know, there's shit that happens in the shadows that we don't we don't know about. So unless there's some shadow stuff going on and we don't know about it, Jim Brown, unfortunately, has been co-opted. Um, I don't want to drop squad of elder, but uh, he said he wasn't part of the bourgeoisie. You are a part of the bourgeoisie. You are. Whether you want to say you're you're not, you are a part of the bourgeoisie. You're not part of working class anymore. You left that in the 60s. Um, you might have did work in the ghettos and with black folks. You just proved that... Um, all my skin folk ain't my kin folk. I'm shocked. Just because you black, you ain't my people. All right, you heard that right here. And that's very interesting because today I asked on uh, Facebook after I seen everybody yesterday clowning Kanye West. And I was saying, now that Jim Brown has met with Donald Trump, do he get a pass because he's an elder and he's an activist? And um, some people said, yeah, he get a pass. And uh, some people said, nope, he doesn't get a pass. I'm just going to read a few individuals on my Facebook. Uh, David Tavez, he said, I believe Jim Brown's track record of activism for black people since the 60s give him the benefit of the doubt. Ye has proven himself to be a confused, selfish, Gnostic. <laughs> and then Robert Thomas he said a black person with a drop of dignity would have said no to meeting with the serpent speaks volumes of knowledge, foundation, and self. And um, I'm going to read one more. Um, this is a very interesting one. Yolanda Jones-Murray said, this is from secondhand. My girlfriend stated Jim Brown was on a Tom Joyner and Roland Martin segment show, and they asked him about his statement. He was aware and something to the effect that it was Luke and that he never stated he loved the guy. Oh, it was stated that he loved the pastor. And if you listen closely to that interview, you can tell that he was talking about the pastor when he said he loved him because she reiterated the question, um, do you love Donald Trump? 
that's when he was stating, you know, he never mentioned the word love. So you, you have to be careful when you're dealing with these mainstream media outlets because they will definitely change the narrative. And I think they did that in a little promo that they're using to promote this uh, segment. So, you know, all eyes are glued on to the television set. But those are our thoughts on that. You may have yours as well. You can uh, email us at Raheem.Shabazz at Gmail. You can hit me on Facebook. You can hit me on Instagram. You can hit me on Twitter at Raheem Shabazz. And uh, let me know your thoughts on that. And right now, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we're going to pay some bills. And then we're going to be back and we're going to get into this topic of gender wars. The Wrath of the Angry Black Feminist. Y'all get ready for that. Stay tuned, family. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the elementary genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. All right, family, we're back right here on Necessary Blackness Radio. And we're going to discuss gender wars, the wrath of the angry black feminists. Now, I did a little research myself. I wanted to look up, you know, who coined the term womanist. And it was by Alice Walker. And according to her, a womanist is to feminist as purple is to lavender. Mm -hmm. For the the uninitiated as myself, can you explain that? Um, so I looked at it like an oxymoron. So the the opposite of um, what you think it means. So I don't view myself as an angry black feminist. Um, that is kind of what's going on in the blogosphere and the manosphere that um, if you're a feminist, you're angry that there's a gender war going on. And I, I reject both of those notions. So I'm, I'm coming here to kind of talk about um, what a, what feminism is, what black feminism is, and what womanism is, which is the particular, uh, I guess, strand of feminism I like to say I'm a part of. So um, you invoked Alice Walker. So I'll just read her definition of what womanism is, and then we'll talk a bit about the uh, history of womanism and how it uh, distinguishes itself from feminism. So Alice Walker says in 1983, that the word womanist, this is her definition, um, from womanish, meaning girlish, frivolous, irresponsible, not serious. A black feminist of color from the black folk expression of mothers to female children, you act in womanish, like a woman, usually referring to outrageous, audacious, courageous, or willful behavior. Wanting to know more and in greater depth that then is considered quote unquote good for one, interested in grown up doings, acting grown up, being grown up, interchangeable with another black folk expression, you're trying to be grown, responsible, in charge, serious. Also, a woman who loves other women sexually and or non-sexually, 
appreciates and prefers women's culture, women's emotional flexibility, values tears as natural counterbalance of laughter, and sometimes loves individual men sexually and or non-sexually, committed to survival and wholeness of entire people, male and female, not a separatist, except periodically for health. And I like to come back to the periodically for health part. Traditional universalist, as in, mama, why are we all brown, pink, and yellow, and our cousins white, beige, and pink? So these ideas of uh, womanist being universalist and womanist being non-separatist. Traditionally viewed as capable, loves music, loves dance, loves the moon, loves the spirit, loves food and roundness, loves struggle, loves the folks, loves herself regardless. And as you said, womanist is to feminist as purple is to lavender. That was a real in-depth meaning, totally opposite from what I thought uh, it would be, you know, in terms of um, being a feminist to a degree. With that being said, I'm going to ask you a few questions um, from doing my research because I, I'm just trying to learn a little more about it. Right. When we had spoke, you know, you was breaking it down to me, the difference between being a womanist and a feminist. So I did a little research. Now, my first question is, uh, some people say that there's an invisible whiteness that runs through the feminist movement. Others will argue that the whiteness is apparent and intentional. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. So people who are not scholars, who haven't read, you know, um, I do have a book list for you. If, mm-hmm. if you're interested, I have one with me right now. And Raheem can attest. This is The Womanist Reader, edited by Laley Phillips, from actual scholars in uh, Black feminist scholars, womanist scholars. So people who know who they're talking about. That's why I asked you who said that, because a lot of... That stuff is just somebody who heard somebody say something, 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 and don't know anything about feminism. One, feminism, um, black women being involved in the liberation and advocating for uh, women predates white feminism. If you uh, want to kind of pinpoint white feminism from the suffragettes, right, Mm -hmm. from the 1920s, and they call that first wave feminism. They say there are three waves um, womanist and many black feminists reject the idea of the wave theory, um, that there were three waves. We argue that um, women globally have always advocated for themselves. Uh, women of African descent, uh, African women have always advocated and pushed for themselves and have had place in society and advocated for those positions and places in society that predates the colonial area, pre- predates when, when white folks was in the quote unquote caves, right? So um, advocating for women has always existed. Now, naming it feminism, um, that term, yeah, you might want to credit uh, the ideology of feminism from those early kind of, of waves when it kind of got enshrined in the academy and, and folks started burning bras and saying they're feminists. Okay, they can have that. But um, I, I, there's a list of women that have been working for not only black folks, but also specific uh, issues that are relevant to women. Women have issues specific to them, right? Men have issues specific to them. We each have our issues. I mean, it could be something as simple as I have a vagina and the care of that vagina is much different, is different than how you would care for your penis. That's a woman's issue. So if we are having women's groups, we're talking about, okay, well, you shouldn't do, you know, if you want to deal with fibroids and you eat like this. You do. That's a woman's issue. And, and on the, on a very basic level, that's feminism. 
So, um, and, but feminism is an ugly, funky word and it's associated with white women. And if anybody knows the wickedness of elite white women, I argue the black women know. No, far better than even black men. We had much more intimacy with white women if you just don't a slave household than black men ever had. So we know um, that white women have traditionally been complicit in racism, have been in many ways engineers, supporters, advocates, and reason for white supremacy. So um, black feminism as a term came out of the Kambahi River Collective in 1973. I think it was 73, um, but certainly the 70s, which was reactionary to white feminism, which I do agree with your point about feminism in America, the way we understand feminism to be really blended with, with white and whiteness in, in a lot of ways. Whiteness. Yeah, definitely. And all the privileges that come with whiteness where white women were, weren't asking for equality. White women weren't asking for liberation of all women. White women were asking for a seat at the table to oppress our asses. That's what they really wanted to. Like white men. I mean, the whole suffragettes movement was really a response to black men getting the right to vote in advance of white women. All right. So, um, yes, I agree that what we understand to be white feminism in America, first wave white feminism, certainly um, have white supremacist undercurrents. And to say it didn't would be me being disingenuous. Black feminism is a reaction to very thing that you're talking about, that the concerns of white women are privileged over everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um and then also, so black feminism is certainly a reaction to white feminism. Um, and there's, and you can Google Kambahi River Collective, and there, there's a basically a manifesto of why black feminism came about. And then there's also uh, a reaction to black nationalism, where, um, and this is true today, having come up in, in black nationalist circles myself, being raised in it. Uh, my father was Black Panther. My father was part of the Nation of Islam. Um, he was part of the First Resurrection when Nation of Islam transitioned. Um, uh, where uh, the American Muslim mission came about on the war of the Muhammad. So I was raised in black nationalism and the uh, black feminists were saying that the issues of women are often neglected um, to say the least neglected in, in black nationalist circles or black nationalist male are attempting to replicate uh, a supremacist nationalist system with men at the top and women at, and children at the bottom. And it, it looks very much like white patriarchy. So it was a reaction to white feminists and black nationalists, both who totally didn't give a fuck about what was going on with black women. You have this is named Ogunyeme, who came out of Africa, who talks about womanism in a different kind of way. Um, and then you have an American version of, of womanism that Alice Walker's credited with. And this was all germinating at the same time. And they all actually use the same word, womanism. So my strand of womanism, I, I would, I think I would like to say, would probably come out of Alice Walker's kind of womanism. Womanism as a term is fits better in my mouth. It's it it, it clearly differentiates me from white feminism. So you can't say feminist because I'm I, I'm not naming myself that. I'm saying I'm a womanist, which is very different, which racializes me. It, it, it positions me as as a black person, right, in, in, in a community of black folk who don't just care about um, women's issues. I care about women's issues, of course, because I'm a woman, right? But I care about it in context of a larger, larger community. So that's why I choose the, the name womanist.
Yeah, but it is it's 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 out of the trajectory of any kind of women's advocacy movement. All right, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. It's not just about the woman; it's about the race and whole. But you are a woman, but at the same time, you're mindful that you're a black woman, right? And you fight for the liberation of your people. Yes and no. Yes, and okay. that. Um, so so. This is nothing that differentiates womanism from feminism. Feminism is highly highly ideological, right? So feminism has all these, to be a feminist, you must. These are what feminists do. These are what feminists believe. And there are strands of feminists. There are feminists that are far to the left. You got your radical feminists. And then you got, you know, feminists that are to the right. And they all have different little names to them. Um womanism is not ideological there aren't there, there's not a set of rules so you can be a womanist and say and be a black nationalist you can be a womanist and be a lesbian you can be a womanist and be hetero you can be a womanist and um have children you can be a womanist and not have children it, it's no rules to the game it's just that you it, it is a standpoint or a perspective and Lely phillips talks about this um my perspective is i'm a black woman Right. So everything that happens is filtered through that reality. I'm a a mature black woman. I'm a mother. I'm in America. So my reality filters what I think and what I say. And that's true for everybody. That's true for you, too. You're a black man. Right. So you can't separate. You're a heterosexual black man in America in 2016. So your ideas about things are filtered through that reality. And it makes sense that you should take care of yourself first. Right. You have to. How can you take, you know, when you're on a plane and they tell you don't put the thing on, you know, somebody else first, put the you know mask on you. You get some air first and then you put so self-preservation. self-preservation. So, yeah, you know, I'm dealing with me. I'm first. My children, my family first, family first, my people, my community. And then it kind of filters out there. Then we can get more humanist as we evolve, you know, that once my issues is dealt with, then I can worry about the human population. Right. Race first. Uh, No, not it's not a hierarchy. And this is what what I would challenge men to uh, not. uh, That is very Eurocentric, linear, chronological thinking. That's not to say anything first. This is what I mean. So and it sort of contradicts what I just said. To say that it's race, let's deal with race first. Let's ignore my realities of being a man. Let's ignore my realities of being an American. That's, an, an American. that's not saying ignoring it. It's prioritizing, right? So this comes first. And what happens with stuff like that, and this is my, my issue with some stuff we were talking about with Dr. Clyde Anderson, when you have these floors, we got to do this first, then we do this, then we do that, then we do that. You're not coming out with a holistic approach to things. You're not fighting things in, in, in multiple lines, multiple fronts. When you just deal with the race issue, you never deal with the rest of the issues that complicate the race issue that prevent movement forward. I, I, I see where you're going, but um, as a pan-Africanist, mm-hmm. it's one race, one aim, and one destiny. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, 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 you know, I, I probably would, if I was, I would say I was probably Pan-Africanist too, but it negate my womanness. Oh, yeah, it, it doesn't suppose to, it doesn't suppose to. Yeah. You talked about a lot. I'm going to ask you this, right? I read an article and it was titled, Why Womanism, the Genesis of a New World and What Does It Mean, mm. right? And it stated that many civil rights leaders and those involved with the black power movement would endure beatings together 
and get thrown in jail. And afterwards, many of them began to sleep with the newly liberated <laughs> white women. So a lot of black women joined the feminist movement only to face racism. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think those are two different ideas. So I'm going to deal with, with both. Look at marriage rates after 1960. Um, only 39% of black men marry. Of that 39%, 25%, a quarter, marry white women. Now, we're not talking about date. I'm talking about go down to the white man courthouse. I'm not talking about Asian women. I'm talking about not talking about Latinas. I'm talking about go and marry white women. So there are strands of thinkers who argue that one of the major motivations behind integration was access to white women. Wow. And um, once black men had access to white women, there was no no need for, for black women. And this is kind of radical. I don't know if I agree with you. I'm, I'm just responding to what you said. Um, and it's, and to have been beaten and marching with you and I've been, you know, black power fisting with you. I've been civil rights, you know, uh, bridge walking with you and turn around like some of our icons who we love. Um, what's the banana boat dude? Harry Belafonte, Sidney Poitier, they go get white women, not regular, not even white women like Kanye, where you try to say, well, no, she's not white. She's Armenian. She's super white. She's from the base of the Caucasus Mountain. I mean, how much whiter can you get? But at least, you know, they wig get blonde hair, blue eyed, Anglo-Saxon white women. And, and these are supposed to be the, the fathers of the movement. Like, you know, so a lot black women were watching that. And it wasn't even jealousy. Um. Uh, at white women, it was like, yo, I rode with you. And first of all, you're not marrying us like you were from 1890 to 1960. Most people were married from 1890 to 1960. You're, not, you're, you're all out rejecting um, marrying us. You, you procreate with us, but you won't marry us. And a quarter of you who do marry, go out and you marry um, white, women. white women. That's like, that's like an ah, like a like why would you would you do it? So yes, I think that might have got a few adherents to the feminist movement. That might have got a you know a few recruits. But what you found when you joined the feminist, the white quote unquote white feminist movement, and let me just say that feminists don't call themselves white feminists. If you're a white woman and you're a feminist, you're not saying you're a white feminist. You might say you're a radical feminist. You might say you're eco feminist. But ideologically, um, when you act like there are no other women than white women, you are a, a white. Feminist. feminist. Right. I mean, it's just what it is. You yeah. don't give a shit about me. You don't care about, you know, Latinas. You don't care. You don't care about nobody. You care about you and your agenda. And as soon as you get at the table with white men, you're going to put your heel, your stiletto on my neck, too. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it might have got some recruits. But once um, black women figured it out, then you have these. Uh, and really, black women don't define themselves. Even black women who do work that centers women. Whether it's reproductive justice, um, health, like like a queen of Fua, consciousness raising, these sisters are doing work specifically for women, but they don't name themselves feminists. Um, but technically, by definition, if you're just dealing with raw definition, they are. It's like a, a nationalist. There's a lot of kind of lots of kind of nationalists. You can be a black nationalist. You can be a Chinese nationalist. You can be a, a Vietnamese nationalist. You can be a Chicano nationalist. There's a lot of nationalists, but that nationalist piece just means you believe in nation building. Now, whatever you put, you know, attitude you put in front of it, 
you know, colors what you mean. Like, I'm talking about nation built for black people. I'm talking about nation built for Chicanos. So it, it, it colors it. But by definition, you're still a feminist, even if you don't name yourself that. And the reason why black women don't name themselves that is because we don't want to alienate y'all. We don't want y'all to feel like we antagonists to y'all in this because white feminists have really set up their movement as antagonistic to their men. So we won't name ourselves that, even though we're doing feminist work. I'm sure a lot of people will take a cue to what you said. I, I'm definitely learning some new things. This is a subject matter I really never paid too much attention to. Okay. I knew it exists, and I just knew that the word feminist wasn't a word that a lot of people wanted on their yeah, tongue. Yeah, it's, it's, it is ugly. That's why I call myself a womanist. My final question is racism and sexism are viewed as two evils. And um, oftentimes one is viewed as greater than the other. Should black females focus on racism, then address sexism? Yeah, so that was what I was saying earlier about that uh, binary European linear chronological thinking. Your identity is intersectional. My identity is intersectional. All of that stuff meets. So I'm a woman. I'm a black woman. I'm in the modern era. All those things meet. I, I can't. Se- you're a man. You can't separate your manness from your blackness. I can't separate my womanness from my blackness. I just can't. It's impossible. And there. Are, and, and you mentioned you never thought about it. And that's why the work that I do is really important because as a man, you're not thinking about well, what issues do 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 women face? So I kind of um, wrote down a few and there are kind of seven um, oppressions that we deal with. So you deal with oppression from the state. Women are unlikely to have power and representation. Um, I had, uh, if I have time, I'll talk about how many black women are, are represented in positions of power. Very few, less than 1%. Oh, wow. um, household, bulk of the household work is, is on women, even though uh, women contribute equally financially, economically to the household. And in many cases, women take on the bulk of the financial responsibility, but the the household duties are on women. Three, violence. Women are prone to abuse. There are lots of statistics that I could could go through that talks about the abuse that women suffer. And most of the abuse is from, is domestic abuse from their, their spouses or loved ones. Work, women are paid less. We've heard this over and over. Um, black women are paid 62 cents on a dollar. Uh, not even 62, I think it was 30. I'm sorry, 64 cent to the dollar uh, are white men. Black men are paid like 78. So there's still a disparity between black men and white men, but there's still a disparity between black women and black men. Um, Sex, and and keep that in mind that black women are now the most enrolled in college of all groups. Right, so not the most educated. Well, no, that's, well, that stat have, is wrong. They say they have more degrees and they're no, most educated. No, that stat is wrong. I looked it up. The stat is wrong. The um, Black women are the most enrolled in school. We don't finish degrees. We do have, and again, if we have time, I can go through and break down all those numbers. Um, a lot of us might start, but we don't finish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, we, we are not. Um, and, and that, it, it's really a quick Google search, like if you don't believe me. It's not like genius work to figure out that that that's that is a wrong stat. What determines whether it's a wrong stat? Because that been out there, and then someone else can put some stats out there that no, I, I that went I went and looked house. at. So let me just tell you my background. So my background is I'm an educational researcher. I have um, a training in 
uh, qualitative and quantitative research. So how to actually go look at a study and understand what a study means to look at the, the test that, that the folks ran to look at um, whether the data is reliable valid. I'm looking at the, the numbers of people that participated. So this isn't even studies I'm talking about. I wouldn't look at census numbers. Oh, so okay. I, so this isn't a research. This is like a count. One, two, three, four. And it's just not true. It is true that black women are the most enrolled. We are not getting the most degrees, though. That's not true. Um, so we're not outperforming black men or white women in degrees. We're not. We're, e- we're about equal, neck and neck with black men. So black men need to get themselves a little bit more love than they than they do. So, um, But we do go to school more. We do. And that's true for women, period. We do go to school more. But what do we go to school more to do? We're not studying the, the we're not taking up courses that pay the most. We become nurses and teachers. My PhD is education, not engineering. But my education degrees are research my PhD says add research and studies. That's what my PhD says. So I know how to look at a study. So I'm saying that to say, you know, when you hear these little stats, you got to go to the source. Don't go to somebody's blog. You got to go, well, where do they get that data from and go look at the raw numbers? And if you trust the number, I trust the census to some degree. Um, I think it's more reliable than other measures, but it's all of that is self-report. So no, no, it's not, it's not entirely true. That, that's that. Okay. Um, but we are doing better. We're doing good. We're, we're growing, but it's not um, good. So sex, um, women's sexuality is viewed negatively and objectified. If women are cheaters, they're ostracized. If women are sexualized, they call holes, thoughts, all these things. Culture, women are misrepresented in media and pop culture. And language, like the use of male pronouns. So there's like seven um, indicators. There was a, a, a large-scale global study at... Um, what it what it looks like to be oppressed as a woman globally. There was no parity between men and women on any of those indicators except for life expectancy. So women tend to outlive men themselves. They don't have a mommy or wife to care for them. All right. So my my, my uh next question would be you just gave us seven indicators, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of the steps that could be taken? Because we always want to have solution. We always want to be solution orientated. What are some of the steps that can be taken so that women are not ostracized? You know, there's not this big inequality Mm -hmm. when we're dealing with men and when we're dealing with women. Destruction and dismantlement of white supremacy and um, patriarchy. So um, patriarchy is a system that we believe is a given that men should be the heads, men should run things. We think that's just how things exist. But that's a relatively new system. It's about 6,000 years old. Um, came about roughly around the Pleistocene era, about 6,000 years old. So Same time it came out of the caves. Same time. That's why I, thank you. Thank you. That's why I connected white supremacy and patriarchy. Um, if you look at colonial African societies, and again, I encourage people to go do their own research. Don't listen to me. Um, it looked more egalitarian. Um, there's plenty of st- uh, studies by um, quote unquote third world and, and specifically African scholars that talk about when white folks came in, um, how they separated genders. Um, uh, I mean, all out killed men, right? You know, kill men, marry the women, co-opt the children. 
but also by saying that uh, women's work is less than men's work. Where in a lot of pre-colonial societies, childbearing women, and that was just a season. You were childbearing for a season. When you were in your matron phase, you had to stay at home and tend to the children and, and care for the home. There was no hierarchy to that. So I'm talking about that European chronological binary thinking. You weren't better than me because you were the hunter or gatherer. You weren't. I, my work was was just as important to the the um, maintenance of our community as your work. Europeans came in and said, "Oh, you cooking, you cleaning, you care for children. That's nothing. That means nothing. You're worthless." Sticks women in that position permanently as matron when some women never become mothers, um, and eventually you transition out of it anyway. You know, I transitioned out of matron. I'm no longer a matron. So in 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 the white supremacist society, I'm useless now. That's not how we function in Africa. So. When patriarchy came, or pre-colonial, pre-colonial, Plastine era, right before they got out the quote-unquote caves, if you want to use that kind of terminology, um, patriarchy did not exist. Egalitarianism existed, uh, matrifocality and matrilineal societies existed. Yes, there were patrifocal and patrilineal societies, but these, you know, I don't want to make blanket statements about human beings. So it had to be a total dismantlement of that kind of system. That's the only way to do it. It's like, how do you liberate black people? You have to have a complete dismantlement of white supremacy. How else do you do it? But on an everyday level, um, particularly for black people, I think black people are in a unique um, position to really be models for everybody else if we care. But if we're worried about um, how to engender equality between black women and black men, which is my focus, I would start with attitudes. I would start with um, black men need to disavow patriarchy because patriarchy is a system that is designed to oppress them too. Uh, black men are not allowed to enjoy, even though they do benefit from patriarchy, they do, to the same extent as white men. And what happens is you guys are fighting us because you believe you a man, you should enjoy the seat at that table and you're not invited to the table, you're just not. So we have to, within our community, say the reality of what's happening looks like this. We can't adopt the ideas about what a man should do and what a woman should do and masculinity and femininity. We can't do it. We got to come up with new possibilities. We have to think of different things. And it starts with attitudes. Y'all got to stop thinking that women can't speak. Uh, women can't come to the meetings, women can't come to the synagogue, women can't leave, women can't this, women need to submit. I got to stop that because that is counterproductive to nation building. It is absolutely counterproductive to nation building. Also, men need to work a bit on um, in understanding who they are as men with harming women physically and emotionally, harming women and their children. If you look at the, the stats for women who have suffer uh, sexual abuse, domestic molestation, abuse. domestic violence is so disheartening. Um, black women are 12 times more likely to be murdered by their significant other while they're pregnant than white women. Black women are four times more likely to be victims of domestic assault than white women. And that's just who reports it. We're not even talking about people that just be like, you know what, whatever, I'm not calling nobody on him. So black men have to deal with, you know, their own stressors. That's why I say you first. Go get a massage. You know what I'm saying? Go running. You know what I'm saying? Take care of your, Get education. Get some money so you can feel like, you know, you have something to bring to the table. You're not cracking folk upside the head. If you've been abused yourself, um, black man, go get some therapy. Get some counseling. You know, black men do suffer from sexual violence from other men. So you won't do that to your children. So you won't do that to your women. Um, 
so yeah, self-care, self-love, change, changing attitudes, um, that could be a good... I also encourage um, black women to be um, reflective about their reproductive choices, have children in the proper season with a man that wants to have children with you. Black families have a net worth of $31,000 on average. Black women alone have a net worth of $100 on average. Black women with children have a net worth of zero dollars on average wow disappointing disappointing so um have children but make sure he want to have kids with you so he can help you with that y'all can not you know when you have children in bulk numbers i'm emphasizing this children thing because this is probably um this is a very 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 serious having children out of season when your womb ain't right your mind ain't right the sperm that's helping uh produce that child is not right it is a serious, serious, and I'm a teacher, so I, and I work with you on elementary genocide, too. Um, there are a lot of unwanted children getting filtered through these systems with parents who un- are underprepared to really guide souls into this world. When you have a child out of season, you're really just making that child food for these machines, these mechanisms, this, this prison industrial complex, the school to prison pipeline. You're having children like we breed chicken or we breed uh, uh, meat for slaughter. You're not having children to build nations. You're having uh, fodder for the flames, for the for the war machine. You're not having children that's really going to build and, and and do anything. Not about quant. It's not about quantity. It is quality. It is quality. So we need to really be thinking about um, what kind of nation do we want. We got to have a vision for it, and we have got to stop tying these brothers up with these unwanted children. We got to and tying ourselves up. Tying ourselves up. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I, I agree, you know, can't say I agree with everything you said. Yeah, right, right, right. But I, I definitely do um, agree with um, the domestic violence. Yeah. And um, just violence against women, period. Right. You know, I, I think that's something that um, needs to be talked about. And, you know, let's just forget talking. You know, we, we have to take uh, uh, preventive measures, mm-hmm. you know, so that, so that sisters know. You know what I mean? When they get an indication of someone who's prone to violence, they need to stay away from them. Right. Gave you seven indicators and then you gave the solution to the problem. And a lot of that uh, falls on brothers. You know, we do have to step up to the plate. Women, they have to make the right choices when when they have uh, when they choosing their mates. So I, I, I think it's a. Um, it's a thing where both of us have to work together. Mm-hmm. And I just want to personally apologize, you know, for the men out here that ain't doing it right. Where I'm from, you know, we we definitely um, look at the black woman as the queen. And we definitely want to be the protector of the black woman. About two weeks ago, maybe a little more than that, I had wrote Facebook posts. Mm-hmm. I said that we should spend the last dime in our treasury and use the last bullet in our arsenal to defend and protect the black woman. And I really mean that. I know a lot of people that feel that same way. Me too. And, and have that fire. So I just want to let you know, um, I appreciate you coming by. You're not alone. All feminists are not uh, separatists and angry man-haters. That, that's not what it's about. So I hope, I hope. With this very brief conversation that we had, that maybe that clarifies some folks' ideas about what we've been going an hour, so we we're a little past. Okay, we've been going an hour. Wow. Okay, so let's shut this shut this down. Thank you.
Yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. you. I, I appreciate you. Now, um, let people know you got some things going on. You got books coming out. I what, do. I have a book that is tentatively titled A Bad Bitch's Pedagogy. It talks about um, women artists, actors, educators. Um, I also have an album coming out that is um, still untitled. Um, I'm an MC, if folks don't don't know that. Um, yeah, and I do my own podcast. I do two podcasts, one called Niggas with Doctorates and another one called Old Black Curmudgeons with uh, Hamasito Baron and Brother Mobetta. So, yeah, so you can reach me um, at Kalila, my name, K-H-A-L-I-L-A-H-A-L-E dot org. Um, that's my website. Okay. Um, and there'll be more information to find me from there. When your podcast come on? My podcast comes on every Wednesday. So it's out today. Old Black Curmudgeons is out today. Uh, we've got some episodes of Niggas with Doctors, which is just a round table of uh, a bunch of PhDs from around the country. Black, black PhDs, male and female around the country about uh, real, 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 real stuff. I need to ask you a serious question. Mm-hmm. Do people really still refer to themselves as niggas? Because, you know, to me, this yeah, is yeah. just me. Right. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, I may say that N word every yeah. now and then, but uh-huh. it, it, it has to fit in the context of what I'm saying. Like, that couldn't be the title right. of my show. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is that that N word is the most disrespectful, shorthand word that, that you could use to I describe agree. us as a people. And I'm not mad at them for using it, but. It's just like sometimes I just be like, come on, man, we got to yeah. be better. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I, it's just my thoughts. I but agree. you know what? I'm going to check the podcast out. And when you well, say check it, comes it out, on, because it comes the, on Wednesday. The, the, well, no, 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 no. Old Black Curmudgeons okay. is on Wednesday. Niggas with Doctors is still in. Um, we have a few episodes. We're still editing them. But the the just like the title of my book, Bitches and then Niggas, those words are very problematic. I agree. Semantics are important. But that's why. The words were chosen that okay, way to be okay. provocative, to have this conversation that you have, and they're both very vulgar and ugly words that um, we should probably not use as freely as we use. Well, if you let some feminists tell it, the word "bitch" means being in total control of herself. Now I'm just that's something. I mean, yeah, I agree. I, you're right, though. I'm not her. She said, "I'm not her." I'm not in her in her club. All right, we're gonna wrap that up. This is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness, Episode Three: The Wrath of the Black Angry Feminist. This is Raheem Shabazz, and I'll see you next week right here on Necessary Blackness Podcast. Peace.